Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Today's scripture comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 43 through 47. Please listen for what God might be saying to you. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. May the Lord add a blessing to our hearing and understanding of the word. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Paul Hom. I'm the Church Start resident here at Urban Village Church. I spend most of my time at Wicker Park, but uh, as you know, Emily is away on vacation, so it's my joy and my pleasure to be here again this morning. Uh, wow. I love being here. This is only my second time here at Hyde Park Woodlawn, but I love the music. I love the energy, and so thank you for allowing me to be here with you uh, today. As you probably know, uh, we are in a sermon series called FaceTime, Overcoming Loneliness together. And today is actually the last, uh, today is the last part of our sermon series. And if you missed any of the earlier pieces, you can listen to all of them online, not only from Hyde Park Woodlawn, but you can also listen to the ones from the other sites as well. So be sure to check that out. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, as we gather here today, we ask that our hearts, our minds, our souls, our eyes, and our ears would be open. We cast our burdens at your feet. Help us to allow this time to be a space where your spirit is moving and ministering and working within us, molding us, healing us, restoring us. And as we investigate this ancient passage, help us to see how it's not just the story of people from thousands of years ago, but it's our story as well. Help us to see the relevance in the application so that it will change and transform us here and now today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. So one of the things about loneliness and overcoming it is I think loneliness... Um, I think it's kind of ubiquitous. People talk about loneliness all the time. So I did a quick Google search. Uh, I needed a definition that I could really work from uh, a couple weeks back. And one of the definitions that I got was loneliness is a feeling of isolation and a lack of quality connections. 
Now, the operative word, the key word that I found was feeling. Because loneliness is actually a perception. When you feel lonely and you feel like you don't have quality connections, then you're lonely. It doesn't matter if you're in a room full of people, you could still feel lonely, and you could be home by yourself, and you could not feel lonely. It's how we feel. And so if we feel lonely, then you are lonely. And it doesn't matter if somebody says to you, oh, but I love you and all these people around you, we all love you too. It doesn't matter because if you feel lonely, you feel lonely. You are lonely and that's okay. Your feelings are genuine and they are your own. And the good part about that is is that you are not alone in your loneliness. And the even better part is is that God did not create you and I so that we will live in perpetual loneliness either. We are created to be people living with quality connections in great loving communities. And today we're going to investigate a passage in just a little bit that talks a little bit about that early church community. But before we jump into the passage, there is a great book that I read a few years ago. It's called The Ever-Transcending Spirit. And it's not a Christian book. It's not a religious book. It's a, it's, a psycholo- it's a psychology book written by this guy named Toro Sato. And he's a psychologist. And he begins the book by quoting a famous Mohawk proverb that says that life is about giving and receiving. And what Sato, he goes on to say is this. He says, in life, when we... Uh, When we give our attention to someone or something, we're actually giving something to them. I'm giving you my attention. But when we are forced or when we receive attention from someone, then we are receiving something from them. Now, what is this thing that we're giving and receiving? What is this attention? And so... In Chinese culture, they call this qi. In Japanese culture, they call it ki. In uh, Indian culture, they call it prana. I'm Korean, and I don't know what they call it in Korean culture. In Western metaphysics, they call it energy. And in our Judeo-Christianity, we call this thing, we call it spirit. We call it life. So when I am paying attention to you, and I'm giving you attention, then I'm giving you life. And you're receiving it. But when I am the focus of attention, then I am receiving life. And so this Mohawk proverb says that life is about giving and receiving this energy, this life, this chi, this ki, this prana, this spirit. And that's sort of what life is uh, composed of. Now, uh, I have a couple props here uh, to demonstrate what this might look like. And... So what I have here is I have a mason jar, because that's all I had at home. And um, inside this mason jar is blue water. Now, the reason why the water is blue is for no other reason than the people in the back row can see that there's something actually in here. There's no significance to the color whatsoever. But uh, this cup full of water, this blue water, it sort of represents our life and our energy. And each and every single day, we are forced to give our time, energy, and our resources to various different things. So this is me, and I have to give a little bit of attention and energy to uh, my work. And so 
my work gets a little bit of time and energy. And then uh, if you're a student, then your books and your studies and long lectures, so I'm just, that's going to take a little bit more energy there. <laughs> we're, in, we're in a school right now, so if you're a student, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, there's stress. There's things that you stress about. So uh, those things also take your time and your energy and your spirit. And then let's not forget, let's not forget uh, the people in our lives, right? Our parents, our friends, our coworkers, um, especially our coworkers. They'll take some energy from your life too, right? They might take a lot, actually. And at the end of the day, if you've had a good day, you're sort of depleted with energy. Now, ideally, where you give your energy to, where you give your spirit to, where you give your life to, your time, your energy, and resources, you're not only giving to them, but there's an expectation that uh, in some way that it's going to get returned back to you. And so whether it's your school or your work, you're going to get paid, uh, you're going to get returned with good grades, uh, things that you worry and stress about, um, you know, maybe it'll pay off, maybe it won't, right? And those people in your life that people say, oh, you invest into their lives, and hopefully they'll reinvest back into your life too. And you replenish those energy stores. But if you notice, I don't have as much as I started off with, right? And because the, it's never always an equal exchange. And so what do you do? Uh, how do you mitigate from running on a deficit all the time. And so there's two sort of unhealthy ways that people uh, mitigate this energy loss. And Toro Sato says one way is we become energy stealers. And so because, <laughs> hey, you're not giving it back to me, I'm, I'm just going to take it right back from you. And uh, we do this by sometimes being obnoxious. We do this by being, uh, you know, filled with drama. We do this by yelling or screaming or shouting. Sometimes we do this literally by stealing. And we say, you know what? Give me, give me my energy back. And we take from our coworkers, our family members, uh, our children. And, and we, all, we all do this. Don't say, oh, that's terrible. Like, <laughs> we all do it, right? Um, the other way to mitigate energy loss is that we're like, well, you know what? Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to take anything from people because that's wrong. And so what I'm just going to do is I'm just going to just seal myself up. And when you seal yourself up, um, then no longer can people take anything from you. And at the same time, no longer can you actually steal from anyone, but you're just going to be isolated and you're going to sort of be by yourself. And that's what Toro Sato talks about, that life is about giving and taking, this life, this spirit, and this energy. And we're going to get back to that in just a minute. But in our scripture reading today in Acts chapter 2, it talks about the early Christian believers, the early church. Now, if you've grown up in church like I did, you will have heard pastors, preachers, and teachers say things like, we got to get back to the old church. We have to be more like the church in Acts, as if the church in Acts was so perfect and utopian. I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid, right? I think the early church was just as beautiful as we are. I think they are just as messed up as we are as well. But I do believe that the, in the early church, as 
in this passage. There are things about this community that we have yet to learn from as well. And so today I'm going to go a little bit old school and I want to share three observations that I made from our scripture reading today. If you grew up in an evangelical conservative church, then you know every good sermon has three points to it. And if they're really good, it's like the three S's or the three A's or the ABC's. Um, and if, you're, if you go to like a church where they preach like 40, 50 minute sermons, then there might be five points to the sermon, right? So it's Three observations today. The first observation that I made from this community is it says, A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wondrous signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. All the believers were united. So one thing that I got from this community was that there is a sense of acceptance. Acceptance in a community is so important. If you've ever been the one person in a group that's different from everyone else, you kind of know how you feel, that sense of defensiveness, that tenseness. You wonder, what are they thinking about me? So if you're a person of color and you're in a room full of people and you're the only you know, person of color, they might be loving and wonderful, your coworkers and your friends, but you are very aware that I'm the only person of color in the room. Or if you are uh, the only... Um, if you're the only gay person in the room, you are very much aware that, well, unless you're really sure, you might not be sure, right? But you're pretty aware that you're different from them. Or if you're not cisgendered, or if you're the poor person in the room, or whatever boundaries and systems that people create, you're kind of aware when you know that you're different, and you feel defensive, and you might feel a little tense. Or if you're the only woman in a room full of men, right? And you have your guard up, and you're wondering how they're perceiving you, and you're wondering, and you're just sort of perceiving them with the boundary. It's really, really hard to feel acceptance and to just let out a breath of air and say, ah, I'm okay, I'm, I feel really comfortable. I get a sense that in this community that they were united, that there was a sense that, you know what, we're all just here and we accept each other. We get a sense of peace. Now, I'm a pastor, so my situation is a little unique. It's really hard to make friends when you're a pastor because as soon as you meet someone new and you start telling them, hey, and, you know, everything is cool, and then you say, well, what do you do? Oh, like you're an accountant. What do you do? I'm a pastor. I always get this awkward shuffle away. Yeah, you know, I should go to church, but I haven't gone in a while. Um, it's really good to see you, you know? It's like I have the plague or something like that, right? So to feel accepted... And where I feel like I can just let my guard down. I think that's really, really important to finding a healthy community where there's quality, quality connection. There isn't going to be like this, all right, well, you know what? I'm just going to make sure that my jar is shut tight. Uh, you're not going to take anything from me. I'm not going to give anything from you. Um, but I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be free to um, exchange life and energy. Acceptance. The second part of this community that I saw was, in the next line it says, they would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Uh, this idea that I found was mutuality. Mutuality means that it's giving and it's receiving, but um, it's with this intention of reciprocity. It doesn't mean that somebody is always going to take, 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 
and they're going to sort of exploit all the people around them. And it doesn't mean that you're going to give, give, give until you totally find yourself burnt out and you say, you know what, I know this is good, I know these people need me, but I'm just empty. Mutuality means that I give, and then when I give, then there is an expectation that I will also receive as well. Kind of equal, and sometimes mutuality is not equal, right? And it's okay because it depends on how much you need. There's this sense that, you know what, if I have more, then I'm willing to give. But it's also not having the pride to say, I am in need and I need something in return. Sometimes it's easier to give and to say, yeah, like, I want to give, I want to be like Jesus. But we're so prideful what we need, the love and the support, especially like money or resources from the community. And part of being in the community is not only do you give, but you also receive in return. There's a mutuality. And you're super mindful of that. So... Um, I, have this, I have this friend, and he's agnostic, but he used to be a part of, like, the Church of Satan. Um, I didn't know it was real. Apparently, it's very real. And he says the Church of Satan has a term for people that go and just steal energy from people. They call them psychic vampires. <laughs> um, and he says, psychic vampires, no matter where they go or who they're with, like, if you just talk with them for five minutes, you just feel drained. Because all they do is they talk, talk, talk. They never uh, let you talk. They only want you to listen to them. Uh, They only want to talk about their own problems. They're always asking you things and just taking things from you. And you're just not getting anything back in return. And so mutuality means, well, who am I? Where am I? Am I constantly taking from the people around me in my life? Or am I constantly burning myself out all the time just trying to give? Some mutuality. The third part of this passage that, uh, the third observation I made was, verse 46, it says, every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with everyone, right? It's this idea that they, uh, this community, it met together pretty frequently. The third idea is frequency. How often do you need to be around the important people in your life? What is the rhythm that you need? Now, for instance, for me personally, I don't think I can meet with the community of believers every single day of my life and share every single meal. Like, it sounds great, but um, it's a little bit much. For me, I need, at least once a week, I need to hang out with my good friends so that I can recharge my batteries. We go out for a drink or go out, have dinner, and share our lives in our week. My wife, on the other hand, She needs it like once every three months, like quarterly. She just needs to catch up with friends once in a while. Sometimes uh, life circumstances don't allow you to meet regularly. Some people, they'll, they'll just take one big vacation with their friend at the end of the year. And that's good enough for them. Some people need to be in constant connection every single day or every two, three days. And everybody is different, and everyone's needs for mutuality and acceptance and community is going to be different. But it's really important to sit down by yourself and ask yourself the question, how much do I need? There's no magic bullet. And so what's the point of, like, these three things, these uh, principles, these characteristics of this community? Acceptance, mutuality, frequency. 
I'm not here to prescribe to you and give you answers and say you need to do these three things and then your loneliness will be gone. No, it's not like that. But I want us to be super aware of the energy that we're giving and receiving. I want us to be super aware of the communities we find ourselves in. I want us to be super aware with the people that we interact with, whether they're givers or takers or whether there's mutuality. And I want us to be really, really aware of how much time we are making to establish and maintain the relationships that we need in our life. So my wife, obviously, she says, I only need to hang out with people like once every three months. And, you know, when I was first married to my wife, you know, everything was like, yes, dear, I love you. We can do anything you ever want. And about a year into the marriage, I was like, man, I always just feel so like I have cabin fever and I just want to get out. And it's because I realized that my rhythm was different from her rhythm. And so after a while, we needed to have this conversation and say, you know what, I need to hang out with my friends. And she was like, you know what, go. It was just simple as that. She's like, I don't need to hang out when you're hanging out with your boys. Go do whatever you want to do, bro out or whatever, whatever you guys do. And so for me, finding that rhythm was super helpful for me as well. Um, I want to close with uh, a story that... Um, I heard when I was a youth pastor, it was one of my youth group students, and he was one of our worship leaders at church. Uh, It was a big church, big youth group, about 200 kids worshiping every Sunday, so it's a big church, and he was one of the main worship leaders, so he was super visible, he was super public, he was very popular, Uh, everyone liked him, and he was just really charismatic, and he was awesome. One night during youth group, we're sharing our testimonies, and this guy, Jay, he comes up to the microphone, and... Uh, everyone's expecting him to give some kind of like rousing, inspirational testimony. And he takes a deep breath and he says, most of you don't know, but two years ago, he said, I spent every single day in my room crying. He said, because I felt so lonely. He had just moved to the United States from Korea, and so he barely spoke English. So he said, every day I would go to school, kids would tease me because I couldn't speak English. He said, my parents were working uh, 14 hours a day, you know, working at their small business so that they can provide. I was home by myself. He said, I hated coming to church because it was so boring and the messages would put me to sleep. At that point, I got a little angry because he was talking about me. Uh, I was his pastor two years prior. And he said... uh, But he said, but all of you, and he was talking about the congregation, all of you kept inviting me to the potlucks, to the bowling uh, outings, to the coffee house event, to the tailgating events, to the retreats, to all the activities, to the small groups. And he said, slowly but surely, he said, for the first time in my life, I felt so, so connected. And he shared, um, he said, you guys saved my life. And everyone's like, oh, Jay, that's so beautiful. And he's like, no, 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 no. You literally saved my life. Because he said, those times when I would sit in my room, he said, I would just feel so empty and I would feel so isolated and so alone. He said, I I just thought about killing myself every single day. And he said, and I never never actually did it, but he said, but he, he would just cut himself. He would harm himself. 
And he said, no, 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 no. He said, you literally saved my life. Because if it wasn't for this community, if it wasn't for you all, he said, I'm not sure that I would be here today. That is the power of the body of Christ. We might not be able to see it because that person that we see on Sunday, they're happy, they're smiley, they're warm. We don't know what's going on in their life and their pain. But we, as the body of Christ, we here right now, we have an obligation, we have a duty, we have a call by God to be the community because we are saving lives and we will continue to save lives. That's why this church and community is so important. I, I, want, I don't want to brag, but I've been at Urban Village Church almost a year now, and I kid you not, at least once every two weeks, I will meet somebody uh, at Wicker Park at Urban Village Church, and they'll say, you have no idea, this is the church that I've been looking for my whole life. That's a lot of people. And that DNA at Wicker Park is the same as the DNA here at Andersonville and in South, in South Loop. We are a church that welcomes and is breaking down walls and barriers. And so uh, it is my joy and my pleasure to be with you all this morning and uh, allowing me to share with you. Keep being the church. Keep being the community. Please join me in a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, we are, uh, we are your body. And we're here this morning. And each and every single one of us, we are an important component to the body of Christ. God, some of us are feeling lonely. Some of us are feeling intensely hollow and we feel like we're lacking connections. We feel misunderstood. Some of us are feeling great this morning. And God, we ask that like the early church, that we would be a community of acceptance, that we would be a community of mutuality, and that we would be a community that would figure out the right rhythms that each and every one of us needs. We ask that you would forgive us for the ways that we have not been, but that you would challenge and prod us through the working of your Holy Spirit this morning, inspire and encourage and prod us so that we can live out what it means to be the body of Christ today. We ask all of these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.